Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you, Lord, that we truly can rest in you, and you certainly are truly are our shelter in this in this in this life. Thank you for your blessings on Lord, and I pray you would anoint him with your spirit as he preaches your word. May he do so on the uh, on the authority of, of your written word. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Maybe see you. Greetings to each one of you in Jesus' name this morning and welcome you to our time of worship here this morning. This time of year is always uh, a good reminder for me. Um, as Lance mentioned earlier in our devotional, um, tomorrow is um, the day that the United States celebrates the Independence Day. That's always a good reminder for me. Um, you know, we have a freedom that is much greater than an independence from a worldly, another worldly country. We have, as believers, a freedom in Jesus Christ that lasts for eternity. You know, the independence for the United States of America is going to come to an end one day. This country, this kingdom will fall. But as a believer in Jesus Christ, you have a freedom that will be never be taken away from you. It's eternal and it's secure, as long as we have our faith and trust in him. So this morning, um, I want to continue again in, um, our, in the book of James, um, the last few messages that we've been studying the book of James, we're looking at some different attributes of faith. And so this morning, we're going to be continuing in chapter 2 in the book of James. Last time, we looked at some attributes of an authentic faith, how it looks like, and how it changes the way we live. And so today, here in chapter 2, we'll continue to see the importance of fruit-bearing, of faith-bearing fruit in our lives. And so the question I'd like for us to think about a little bit, and maybe you can think about it over the next weeks and months, uh, maybe study into it a little bit. Um, this message is by no means an exhaustive message on this topic. Um, but I want you to think about, are good works important to God? And we can maybe, we don't talk a lot about good works. Um, we tend to shy away from the topic maybe a little bit. Maybe we've like, in our Sunday school lessons, we've seen uh, the futility of works. Um, we've come through Matthew, we've seen the scribes and Pharisees, the Jewish leaders, and the works they tried to perform. And Jesus told them very clearly that it was not enough. It was not what he was looking for. We've seen um, examples of works not being adequate for salvation. So maybe that's one reason we shy away from it. We've seen, um, seen those things. On the other hand, there's um, the idea of just faith, and that's, that's all I need. So I just want you to think about that, and it's, it's a, something that over the last few years um, I feel like God has opened my eyes to. I've actually been quite surprised at how often God calls us to good works in Scripture. And maybe I should clarify, you know, I just want you to know that faith is still important. Faith is still important. I don't want you to, to um, get the idea from this message that good works alone will, will grant you salvation. It does not, but it's an important part of it. So we're going to look at that a little bit in today, and I just, you know, encourage you to ponder that. How important are good works to God as, as you go through the next few weeks? So let's read our text um, at this time, 
reading from James chapter 2, verses 14 through 26. What does it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and have not works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding ye give them not those things which are needful to the body, what does it profit? Even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect? And scripture was fulfilled, which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. Ye see then how that by works a man is justified, and not by faith alone. Likewise also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works, when she received the messengers and had sent them out another way. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. So here we see um, James presenting this to us. You know, the, the idea of faith, um, you know, we looked at earlier in James. He talked about our tongue and how our speech. And if we look at verse 14 there, it says, What does it profit, my brethren, do a man say he have faith? It takes more than just a simple profession of faith to, for, for God. He's looking for more than that. Faith in Jesus Christ is a key to our salvation. It's a key to being saved. But as a child of God, we are looking for so much more than just getting saved. As a believer, salvation is just the starting point. Faith in Jesus Christ is just the first step. And as we continue in our faith, that is what produces the works and the good fruits that of righteous in our lives. And so I think, you know, as I think about this topic, I think of fruits and works kind of in the same, same, same vein. We use fruit a lot, and Jesus talked a lot about that, bearing fruit. You know, James said here, faith that is not followed by works is a dead faith. You know, this morning... Um, I was sitting at my desk um, just going over some last-minute sermon prep, and it, wasn't, it was almost time to leave, and I looked at my, my tablet, and I was like, uh-oh, the battery's at 7%. And, you know, so if I could have had my tablet up here with me today, but if that battery didn't have any juice in it, this tablet did me zero good. And so I thought, to me, that, that just really spoke to me you know, I can, I can ha say I have faith, but if it's not actually producing something, it's a dead faith. You know, Paul says in 2 Corinthians that if any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are gone, and the new has come into his life. So there, Paul is take, talking about a change. There will be evidence of our faith in our life. You know, in verse 19 here, James also points out that even the devils believe that there is one God. They tremble at the thought of the true God, but that still does not produce um, a change in their life. This just simple belief does not bring salvation because there is no action, there is no work that follows this belief. 
So James shows us here pretty clearly that a simply believe believing is not sufficient. Our belief, our faith, must be followed by fruit. And he continues here by giving us a few examples of that. He talks about Abraham, how he was justified. You know, Abraham had faith in God, and that faith took him to the top of Mount the mountain there where he was willing to sacrifice Isaac. He was willing to go all the way with God. And that's how it says his faith was made perfect. That vindicated him. It wasn't the action, the simple action that produced his salvation. It was the faith which then produced the works. And then Rahab, you know, she was saved because of her faith. And she believed in the God of the Israelites. And that caused her to hide those spies, and then her family was saved from destruction. You know, there's, as we look at this, this topic, you know, there, there was, there's thoughts, you know, that there's conflict between what James is saying here, you know, that he's talking about works here. There's conflict between that and what Paul says in Romans, where he talks about being saved by, by faith alone. So I just want to find a scripture that I think that speaks to that very well. And so we're going to be turning to Ephesians 2, that, and I really like that scripture. I think that helps clarify those two um, points of tension a little bit. Be reading Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 14. It says, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin, wherein times past he walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air and the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and the mind, and of the mind. And were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us. Even when we were dead in sin, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace you are saved. And now hath raised us up together, and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and, not, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Wherefore, remember that ye, being in times past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh, made by hands, that at times ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope, and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who are sometimes afar off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, who hath made both one, and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. So here we, I especially like those verses looking at, um, focusing on verse 8 through 10. And there he says, by grace you are saved through faith. And that not of yourself, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So here we see Paul clarifying, it is not works of our own flesh that save us. It is by the grace of God. You know, we, we hear the expression, by faith alone. But here he introduces grace to it as well. He talks about you're saved by grace. So before our faith, there is grace. 
The grace of God made it possible that we could even have faith in the first place. And so it clarifies here, it is the gift of God. Our salvation is the gift of God. But I'd like you to notice what follows that, those verses. You know, oftentimes we like to stop at the end of verse 9. Verse 10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. So why, why has God saved us? What is the reason for, for salvation from Jesus Christ? And oftentimes, maybe we think it's for to save us from hell or um, so that we have a better life. But here it says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. We are a masterpiece of God. He has done a lot of work through Christ Jesus to create you who you are. And as you accept him through faith, he can make what, you know, the previous verses paint a pretty bleak picture. He can turn that into a masterpiece. As it says there in verse 10, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. So as I was thinking about that, the picture comes to mind of an artist or craftsman making some beautiful piece of furniture or a picture. Um, I, I enjoy photography. I mean, I play around with it, and, and Brant is also starting to play around with it a little bit. And it amazes me at the pictures that some people take and some of the effort they put into that to create those masterpieces. And there's many other ways that there's craftsmen, um, you know, maybe a mason or a cabinet maker. They make masterpieces. It takes a lot of time and effort and thought to make a beautiful masterpiece. And that's what God is doing in our lives as he works um, through us by his grace and through faith. He has created us, it says, unto good works. He has done this change in our lives so that our lives can be changed, so that we no longer have to walk in the ways described in the previous verses. In verse 12 it says that at times you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. That's a pretty bleak um, contrast to being a beautiful masterpiece of God. And so I think that, to me, that really clarified and helped uh, bring that all together. You know, it's the grace of God, and as we have faith in that, and then following that, he has created us for good works. You know, what, is, what value is faith if it does not produce change in our heart? True faith produces action, and it produces works. You know, action in our lives, as we fight the spiritual battles, as we are vigilant against sin, confessing sin in our lives, humbling ourselves, and seeking God, and becoming before Him in prayer. It produces action in the way we relate to our fellow man, and the compassion we have for them. Action in how we relate to God, we live our lives in a life of obedience. You know, there's something that has become real real to me in the last while is, you know, what does scripture say about those who don't have works or don't bear fruit? And we just saw that in our recently in our Sunday school lesson where the people came to the judgment seat of Christ where God separated the sheep from the goats. And what was it that separated the two? It was their compassion for other people. Not of their own strength, but through Christ they had compassion for people. We also think about the parable of the sower and the parable of the talent, the people that did not bear fruit. 
And then John 15, the vine and the branches analogy, where we produce fruit through Christ. The branch that does not produce fruit is cut off and thrown into the fire. So, it seems, you know, we may be saved by our faith, but God will judge us by our works. You know, faith is not simply for our own salvation, but it is that God might be glorified through our lives. Jesus said, He who saves his life will lose it, and he who loses his life will save it. As we lose our life into God and into Jesus Christ, we will be saved. If there is no change in our life, there is no glory to God. So just a few um, scriptures I want to think about, just maybe to get your mind stimulated a little bit as we think about what God wants our lives to look like. You know, we find... Um, very good scriptures in the Sermon on the Mount. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talks about, you know, he talks a lot of different things he, he talks about, but just a few he talks about. He talks about inner purity, more than just what your outward actions look like, but your inner person, your inner heart being pure. The importance of not only our actions being pure and holy, but our inner motives and thoughts need to be holy as well. They're just as important as the things we do talks about the sacredness of marriage. You know, Jesus refers to his church as his bride. And he, you know, as we think about that comparison to our marriages, Jesus is the role model for our marriages. And I think that is something he wants us to imitate. He also talks about our speech. He shows us what the speech of his children should look like. Christian love. He talks about you know, turning the other cheek, loving and praying for our enemies instead of despising them. And then the golden rule is also found in the Sermon on the Mount. And that's something that's very familiar to each one of us today. You know, these are just a few of the concepts that Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount. You know, as we uh, believe if we are serious about being his child, we will take those passages very, very seriously and they will be very important to the way we live. You know, um... In the Old Testament times, Moses, he went up to the top of the mountain to talk with God, to receive the ways that he wanted his people to live. Moses had to leave the people, had to go away. But here Jesus was right amongst the people. God sent his own son to talk face to face, to give the ways that he wants us to live personally to the, to the people of his day. He shared what the lives of his children should look like. You know, as Jesus closed out his message, what did he? What was the things he said to the multitude? There was a few things he pointed out to them as he closed out his message there on the Sermon on the Mount. First of all, he pointed out that there are two paths in life. There's the broad way that leads to destruction, and there is the narrow gate and road that leads to everlasting life. And unfortunately and sadly, he tells us that there will be very few people that will find that gate and that road. That's a very sobering thought as I think about that in, in reference to my own life. Am I really walking in the way of the Lord? He also told them that there would be false teachers who would come to them and they would disguise their identity. They would be ravening wolves on the inside, but outward they would make themselves appear like a meek lamb. <clears throat> but he told us how we can find out their intent is not good. He tells us how we can tell that they are false teachers. We are to observe their fruit, and Jesus does so well, he uses simple illustrations that we can comprehend. 
we can identify a tree by its fruit. You know, just recently, we've come through strawberry season here in our area. And I would like, if anybody went out to the strawberry patch and found a blueberry, I'd like to know about it. And if they did, we'd be really shocked. We don't expect to find the blueberries in the strawberry patch or an apple or a peach. And so that's what Jesus is telling us here in a very simple way is this is the fruit that his children will bear. If this is not a part of, the, of our lives, um, we are not a part of his kingdom. We will listen to and live by these words if we truly have faith in Jesus Christ. And then he talks about the wise man and the foolish man. He talks about the man who built his life on the teachings that he had just presented and then he talks about the man who did not listen. And we have a very contrasting picture. The first man had a house, had a life that stood. And even through hard times, through tests and trials, he stood firm. And the second one quickly crumbled because he had built his house, his life, on teachings other than Jesus Christ. In 1 Peter um, 2, 11 through 17 he talks about um, quite a few things that are, that are very good for us to, to think about. I'll just turn to that scripture and read that. 1 Peter 2, 11-17. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak evil against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme, or to governors, and to them that sent by him for the punishment of evildoers, and for the praise of them that do well. For so is the will of God, that with well-doing you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men, as free and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness but as servants of God honor all men love the brotherhood fear God honor the king so just a few things we see here he talks about integrity you know being being people of integrity we <clears throat> be honest in there in verse 12 and as I was, we go through this I just want you to think about there what he says in verse 12 he said that they by your good works they behold they may see those, and they may glorify God. And that's another thing I think we need to remember. Good works are not for ourselves. They are not to bring glory to ourselves. The works that we do are to bring glory to God. If they're drawing attention to ourselves, I don't believe we can call them good works. So we need to remember the things we do in life to draw honor and glory to God. Next he talks about submission. You know, it's, submission is not um, just... A principle that is for marriage. Oftentimes we focus on submission, tends to be the roles between wives and husband. But God's plan is that we all practice submission to those who are over us. You know, there's many ways that we can practice that. You know, if you're a child in school, your submission to your teacher as an employee, submission to your to your foreman or your boss, you know, there's so many areas that we can practice submission. You know, in our culture that's a very unpopular idea to be submissive. But as a child of God, he is calling us to this, and that's a way that there is a separation between um, the children of God and the children of the world. And it's very interesting. It says, this puts to silence the foolishness of men. A life lived for the Lord 
is a life that speaks well. Also talks about honoring all men, and as NIV puts this phrase, it says, show proper respect to everyone. The child of God should respect all those we come in contact with. You know, it's important as we go about our daily lives to show respect for others. It also talks about loving the church, loving your brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, and then fearing God. You know, as a writer of Proverbs says, he talks about, he says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. When we lose the fear of God, we lose the anchor for our lives. When we respect and walk in his ways, he will teach us the things that are true wisdom. And as we think about, uh, he also talks about honoring the king. And as we consider the way Peter died, you know, Peter wrote this book, and he says, honor the king. And as we think about who he lived under and how he died, um, it's amazing that he had the ability and the strength to write these words in spite of Emperor Nero. But I think this testifies to true faith, that he was willing to do this, and he could do this. It was because of faith in Jesus Christ. And this is the beauty of genuine faith, you know, the power to respect those who cause us difficulty in our earthly lives. We can show them grace because we are well of the evil that was in our own lives. And but for the grace of God, you know, we would be in the same place. And also, we think about the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians 5. talks about love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness. You know, these are all a sermon in themselves, but good for us to think about fruits of the Holy Spirit. As, I, as we think of all those, um, I liked the thought that Lester brought out last Sunday as he was talking about love. And I think as we think about the things I just mentioned, you know, we also need to do those in a heart of love. First of all, a heart of love for God. You know, 1 Corinthians 13 talks about that. We can do great things. We can do many good works. But if it's not done in a love, heart of love, first of all, for God, and then a love for our fellow man, they are all in vain. In vain. You know, we can understand great theo- theology and understand very complex things of Scripture and even have great faith. But if we are lacking in love, it is simply empty noise and it is all vanity. I think that's you know, something we need to keep in mind as, as we think about living out um, things that God has for us. So just a few thoughts in closing, you know, so far my study in the book of James continues to challenge me personally in my walk with the Lord. You know, it challenged me how I'm relating to those around me, how I'm relating to the commands of God, and it just opening my eyes to the many needs that God has shown me. Also, is my faith real? Is it a genuine faith? You know, as we consider our faith... Do we have a fruitful faith that is vibrant and blessing God and our community, or is it all words and no action? So I just encourage you to think about, as we go from here today, the words in James 2.16. What good is a faith that does not produce action? Is it a true faith if it does not produce action? I just want to again clarify, as believers in Jesus Christ, we're not looking to do good deeds to appease God. We want to live out commands of Jesus Christ because we love him. We love him for what he's done for us, and we want to do them for him, not for ourselves. We want to imitate the life of our Savior, Jesus Christ, and show to the world the beauty of the kingdom of God. 
And as 1 Peter 2.12 said, that the world may behold the works of our lives and glorify who? It glorified God, not ourselves. And I think this is the, the difference between works by faith or works from our own effort. Are we doing them for our own benefit and bringing focus on our own lives? Or are we doing them for the glory of God? You know, the, the other good works are the fruits of a life lived according to God's words. You know, and, and don't let, um, you know, sometimes we, we get discouraged when we maybe think someone is doing fake works. But don't let that discourage you. Because if you get discouraged because of that, Satan has won twice. He has deceived somebody thinking in that their um, empty works are doing them well, and he has discouraged you from doing the things of God. So let's keep our eyes on Christ and allow his power to transform us into a fruitful vine that we may bear fruit for his kingdom and for his glory. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, we come to you again at the close of this service. We thank you for your rich love in our lives. We thank you for your grace that has made it possible that we can have faith in you. And I just pray that you, as we go forward from here, that we could um, always keep that in our mind and that we would live for you in a way that honors you, that glorifies you, that does not try to glorify our own hearts and our own lives. So that we draw the glory and honor to your kingdom. We thank you for the blood of Jesus, that you're willing to sacrifice for our sins, that we might have eternal life. And I just pray that you bless each one as they go from here, guide them in their lives. And I just pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen.